This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Jared Mizachi, we continue the conversation on directing. We also discuss observations and questions. And he brings up a particular one on what will fulfill me and can I achieve that? We also talk about his company Vidco and striving to reach further than your comfort zone and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Jared Mizachi. Directing. If you could lay out what that journey was for you. Yeah, um, I think it is about uh, uh, inventing new stage pictures is really exciting to me. I I, I, um, I really enjoy uh, two things. One is an audience seeing the use of things on stage in a new way. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's multimedia technology for Rain and Zoe working on that. It was, uh, oh, I see camera. I know how camera works. And then we spend two, two hours, like showing them otherwise, you know, and, and to me, it's the same thing as puppetry. It's like, oh, I know sock. It's like, no, you don't. Let me show you a whole human inside of the sock, you know, and like, and suddenly you're like wowed by that investigation of object. So I think I like being a leader in that. I like shaping that. Um, And I also just feel like, and this gets to some of your other questions too, but when when we have people walking in the middle of the street on their phones completely distracted like theater owes it to itself to tell stories around tech the use of technology inside our zeitgeist um if if we are to hold a mirror up to society it we we cannot ignore the fact that we are so saturated in technology and abusing ourselves um at the expense of technology that is precisely why I want to be directing multimedia work. I want to show humans that they have the opportunity and power to reclaim uh, their day-to-day lives and not be at the the beck and call of their technology in their pocket. Mm. And I think that in, that involves a deep investigation of our relationship to technology. So I, that's kind of why that's the directing journey for me is um, I loved designing. I loved performing within, but ultimately, I did not think there was um, the role that I knew I could fill as a director in 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 this type of storytelling. I I didn't see out there, mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted to fill that that space and and help guide that. And it, it has been immensely rewarding in, in that, you know. And and I, I in in undergrad and graduate in undergrad, I I I took took directing in film that was my in my major in film i was directing and then when i went to grad school at brooklyn college i was uh, it was performance art so i was kind of a conceiver of my own work yeah. uh and then after that i was kind of just dabbling in all sorts of things as an actor as a designer and as a director and as a uh, uh, assistant director in new york uh and then when i came down here i i continued to straddle down here being dc um straddle that identity which is hard for people because <laughs> they think i'm one thing and then i i surprise them being another you know how have you uh how i don't want to say dealt with that but how have you navigated that uh yeah yeah it's hard it's really hard i um i uh used to compartmentalize them and i actually had multiple websites and i would give a different website to the different type of person that I was trying to impress um, so that they only saw me as one thing. I think the pandemic muddied all of that in a good way. I think um, 
I finally was able to, you know, I restructured my website to have everything on one site now and be like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, come talk to me if you want to be thinking creatively about um, this type of storytelling on a stage. Um, uh, that's been very helpful to me to kind of embrace that. I still deal with it. I mean, you know, every step of the way um, I have to, you know, if somebody comes to me with an offer, I need to have that kind of sticky conversation with them being like, are you, is this as a director? Is this as a designer? Is this as a dramaturg? Is this as a, mm. like, is this as a producer? Um, are you coming to me with my company? Um, do you want me a part of it? Or are you looking for advice or consultancy as a teacher? Are you looking, are you pitching this to me so that I can recommend students to you? Like mm. uh, it, 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 it actually involves a lot of um, delicate clarity in my conversations because I will get very excited. There have been times where I've gotten really excited by a project and then the offer is a different role. Mm. Um, Sometimes I've been really excited to design it. Sometimes I've been really excited to direct. Um, uh, Sometimes I've been really excited to work on it and then I find out they just want, uh, they want names of of some of my alumni um, for various reasons. And so, uh, I have to do it very early on in the conversations in order to to know how to temper my own excitement around a project, you know? Yeah. And with directing, how have you gotten better at listening? Um, by, at, by leading with questions as opposed to statements. Um, I don't know if you were noticing in, in Rain and Zoe or observations. I will state an observation and a question as opposed to a solution. Yep. And uh, sometimes my observations are observing somebody having solved something um, that I, I kind of approach everything like a scientific method. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's my hypothesis and here are all the questions that I hope um, this session can answer, um, so that it invites everybody to be thought leaders in the room. Uh, that has helped me tremendously. Yeah. It's amazing what a question can do. (laughs) It can unlock so much for your, your, uh, fellow communicator as opposed to just statements. It also identifies point of view because I can ask a question and somebody's answer will actually reveal to me that they're looking at a totally different thing than I am. So that's also helpful, you know, Um, because there have been times where early on in my career, I would make a statement as a director and I would see a like wildly opposite response in the performer or in the designer. Um, And I have just grown into a space of like, here's what I'm observing. Am I, am I not saying something, you know, in my observation of what I see on the stage, is there something that you are doing that I didn't just say? That's a question, you know, Um, uh, here's what I find really effective. I also, uh, in saying that, like, here's what's effective right now. I also will say, here's what my eye is led to. And that was something in Rain and Zoe, when multimedia is happening, who's looking at the screen, who's looking at the performer, who's looking at the the cabling, who's looking at uh, somebody running off stage. Like there's so much... Uh, noise on a stage and it's important that we all are working towards the same composition. I want everyone in this moment to look at the screen and then on this word I want everyone to turn and look and see the performer in front of the camera or in front of the projection. Um, Can everyone get behind that? You know that that's again there's a question. 
someone might be like, I cannot get behind that. I think it's the other way around. Great. Let's have that conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Yeah, that's, um, oh, it's such a good, it's such a good point. I, I'm curious in terms of this storytelling and the way in which you, you create it, do you have a hope for the future of theater with technology and what it can be? Yeah, I think, um, Technology has agency in our lives. Technology uh, is our communicator. Technology is our relationship. Technology is, there are all these things. And we can say that is a good thing or a bad thing, mm. but we cannot deny that it is a thing. And so yes. my hope for the type of theater that I make, I also hope that there continues to be theater made by fabric, socks, chairs. You know, like I'm not saying that all theater must go technological, but I hope that as more and more directors and a new generation of technologists arrive at the theatrical stage door, I hope that they see this technology with the same agency on a stage that we allow it to have in our lives because we are addicted. There, there isn't, there's a, a social media epidemic um, that yeah. I think we, our generation is fine with, but we are giving that to eight-year-olds now and that will infuse itself in a new way, neither good or bad. It will just infuse itself. It is inevitable. And so I hope that we continue to tell stories that shed a light on that and kind of cause exposure to make us truly rethink how we live our daily lives in a more consequential way as opposed to a numbing of technology when we leave the, the theater. So I, I, I I hope for an infusion of of it so that it's not just aesthetic and cosmetic uh, around the sacred space of performers telling stories on a stage, but it becomes a, uh, it becomes that scene partner um, that isn't just spectacle. We're in a spectacle driven moment right now with technology, and I think it can I think it can come down, you know, and actually be a part of the storytelling. Uh, I and and that's not just because I love working in a multimedia way. It is truly because I fear where our culture is headed if we aren't also interrogating the use of technology while we are using it. Mm. I, I just, I, I think we are at a crossroads right now and need to see the consequence of it. And theater can do that. Yeah, it can. There's, and there's a lot of consequences with it especially yeah, now as yeah. it's, you know, becoming regulated, but still not regulated, but that whole kit and caboodle. Totally. Uh, in life to this moment, I guess, if you do, how do you view achievement versus fulfillment? It has shifted in the pandemic. Um, the, the achievement and fulfillment. Oh boy. I used to say, if I can achieve, I will be fulfilled. And now I think after the, as the pandemic raged on and continues to, in many ways, I asked myself, what will fulfill me and can I achieve that? So I, I yeah. think I, I've shifted it yeah. and, um, and it has really, uh, you know, I, I have autonomy in my decisions in life. I, I can make decisions that lead to fulfillment as opposed to achievement. And uh, maybe others see achievement in a different way. For me, it has been kind of a um, increasingly toxic 
grind in my life. Uh, it has been quantitative in these past uh, years. And during the pandemic, when everything was shut down, I asked myself, uh, there's something about having theater in my life versus not that fulfills me. So I want to experiment during the pandemic and do a bunch of um, exp just experiments and thought thought provoking works uh, for me, not even for others. And I think when I would turn off my camera after a live performance, um, I didn't have a lobby to hear whether people liked it or not. Hmm. I had myself alone and I had to sit and be like, am I proud of what I just did? Am I happy? Am I happier now that it is done? Um, and I think it just exposes me. A lot of projects don't make me happier when I have finished it. Sure. Um, I am more tired or I'm, and so I, I think um, the pandemic helped me sit alone with my thoughts after the making of something and ask, was that worth it? And I think that has transferred into fulfillment is more important than achievement in my life right now. And oddly, I think I'm achieving more, you know, like it's, it's a, it's an irony, like um, yes. that, that like, like I am a better artist if I feel fulfilled in a room. So do less and be fulfilled more and uh, it will beget more fulfilling work. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the difference uh, to be fulfilled is um, makes obsolete to be achieved. You know, like I, I yeah. just want to feel fulfilled. And that may mean that I need three months off to go garden. Um, if, if, if that means I can come back to making a, a work of art that fulfills me. That's a great answer. And it brings me to my next actual question, Vidco, which was created yeah. throughout, uh, during COVID. It's a rearrangement of yeah. letters, but it also means virtual yes. design collective. Let's talk yeah. about it. Uh, what it's done for sure. you, the creation of it, and what you hope the future of that is as a you know a tool. Yeah, it was really a stopgap moment for me. I um in the middle of that first summer of the pandemic, I decided to just um, do a daily Zoom experiment. I was hacking Zoom and kind of putting some of my multimedia software through Zoom to make special effects in a live way, and um and I was watching as our industry was like you know, F zoom, this is horrible. Oh my God. I, you know, and I was like, well, I just want to, I, I want to remind people not like go zoom or not go zoom, but, but to be like, even amidst horrific trauma, can we be creative? Right. And so what I did was I started doing a daily zoom experiment and posting it immediately online um, uh, of just doing different things and kind of showing people like, there's a lot more to this than, you're allowing yourself not to not to uh, push everyone to be making because a lot of people just wanted to sit and not make, um, uh, uh, which is fine. But uh, in that moment, I started getting about fifty to a hundred inquiries a week mm -hmm. from theaters and organizations all over the country, being like, "Hey, I was led to your Facebook or your Instagram, and I watched all your stuff." Um, we would love to bring you on as a consultant for this thing, or we're trying to, can we pay you for an hour? Can we? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And all of a sudden I was, I had no breaks in my day. I was just constantly meeting with people. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I called a few of my other friends and said, Hey, I'm going to start an LLC. I'm going to call it Vidco. Um, it will serve as an agency. Uh, I, I need a, a 
project manager. I need a, you know, I need all these different things. And I, I had a core group and then we would constantly hire out and contract people in um, and made a ton of work. And now that the pandemic, now that theaters are reopening, there's a real question mark around the uh, longevity of Vidco and what it can continue to do. And uh, in continuing to make digital work online or in a multimedia streamed way, we are not an IT company, we are a creative venture. Um, and so, you know, Geffen Playhouse during when I did someone else's house, um, part of their Stayhouse series, they hired Vidco to be kind of a co in co-production with so that I could bring my people on to help with all the glue between the roles that a typical theater might have on their staff. Mm. Um, uh, and as I continue to make multimedia work in person, there are still gaps between staffing at a theater that could overwhelm those staff members. And so I have suggested to theaters um, uh, and producers to, to allow for a little extra cushion that could help as opposed to everyone being in overtime at the tail end of tech because we haven't achieved the thing. So Vidco has become kind of a, a technological consultancy firm that is brought on to uh, theatrical productions um, to, to make work. And we are, um, our, our kind of mainstream thing is we are collaborating with Paula Vogel with Bart at the Gate right now, um, which, which produces uh, approximately four shows a year in which we film people uh, and edit them together for a, an archive of new work, um, predominantly underrepresented playwrights and directors, um, so that there's this large archive so that people don't have to fly to the basement of a theater to see a reading of a thing, but we have these kind of creative what ifs um, so that producers can watch a kind of speculative film of what a reading could be, that kind of thing. Mm. So we're, we're constantly on uh, asking like, how can we better the process of, of getting scripts in front of producers to make work? Um, and multimedia is helping that accessibility in a lot of ways. So, yeah. Do you, do you have any most gifted books or favorite books? Um, I do. Uh, I have um, The Experimenters, um, which is about Black Mountain College. I, I reread all the time because it, it looks at um, experimental processes to making live performance. It looks at John Cage, Merce Cunningham, Martha Graham mm -hmm. um, during kind of the avant-garde 60s, 70s, into the, a little bit into the 80s. So I love that book, The Experimenters. Um, I also love uh, The Prophet, Khalil Gibran. I also love The Little Prince. Um, I also love C.S. Lewis's uh, uh, On Grieving, I believe it's called. I, I actually don't um, know the title. Uh, A Grief Observed, that's what it is. Um, I love uh, Kurt Vonnegut, and I've been really big on sci-fi lately. Um, so I've been, I've been just reading a lot of sci-fi short stories because I think there's a lot of, uh, marriage between sci-fi and multimedia theater, you know? So, yeah. Do you, yeah. Meta metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Um, the word strive is something i use a lot 
um, what does it mean to reach just a little bit further than your comfort zone is a big part of my life. Um, it's easy to reach, but it's, it's a little harder to strive for something. And so the word strive, I, I've been writing down a lot. Um, resiliency is overused, you know, the unprecedented time, but to strive means that you're, you gotta get a little extra vulnerability in your reach to do something that you believe in your own efforts, uh, will be fulfilling. And so I, I just, I, I'm asking myself and I'm asking my collaborators, um, what's that extra little reach in your life that is worth reaching for because it's that extra 10% that I want my life to be centered around. And um, I'm uninterested in just living in the status quo of things that are, that are makeable right now. I, I'm more interested in making the impossible thing possible or the invisible thing visible. And that mm. requires extra striving, you know, like that extra, that little extra reach. So I don't know when you when you first asked me that that word strive is is big for me. It's amazing what can happen when you go just outside your comfort zone. You stretch a little bit, yeah, sweat yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It, great things happen when you get out there. Totally. Totally. My I I trained I was a cross country runner too, which go. is our own a totally different podcast. <laughs> um but uh um it was funny um training that they would always have us train longer than the race we would run mm -hmm. so that the race we would run was um, fuller and mm -hmm. to teach us that we had that extra 10% or extra 20 or 50% because we ran a marathon and now we only need to read run 400 meters or a mile or 5k, you know, yeah. um, and, and to know that you had that amount of energy to run that extra, what does it mean to condense that and push further um, was always kind of a, an awesome mind game for myself. So I think I think about that. Maybe that's part of the rigor that you asked about earlier, too, is I love running in the woods. You know, yeah. I used to. I don't anymore. Yeah. Uh, um, but maybe I'll pick that back up after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, this conversation has been so special. Thank you for being so open, so generous with your time and, and knowledge. Yeah, and absolutely, Clay. Education. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up today? Um, no, I just, you know, to all the listeners, I just always am, am asking myself and anyone who's around me, like, what's the thing that's not out there that would make your, that would make a, a career for yourself and then go do that. Like, you know, the one thing we didn't talk about is when I started, uh, in undergrad, there really wasn't multi projection design wasn't really like quite a thing yet it, yeah. a few shows would have it. Um, but it wasn't a career and my, my mentors during that time. Uh, always was like, how can you use these skills for a thing that already exists though? Like, and, and that was a protective thing, but yeah. um, I'm so glad I didn't do that. You know, like, uh, I, and so I just hope that others, I, I hope that that is inspiring to people to make their own path and, um, and, and not just do popular, but make popular, make trends, don't do trends, you know? I love that. Yeah it, yeah, it comes with that self-confidence and thinking outside the box, you know, just because you yeah. can't see it doesn't mean it isn't there kind of thing. Which yeah, is, yeah. I like that. So, and this conversation, thank you so much for taking the time. 
Yeah, absolutely, Clay, anytime. And uh, thank you for, for inviting me. This has been awesome. People of the world, Jared Mizachi. <laughs> You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 